0: Pastor Rob here from City East Church and NTL Ministries. This sermon series is called Uncovering Religion. We live in a day where the world is saturated with contradictory faiths and beliefs. Can they all be right? Are they all wrong? As Christians, it is imperative that we understand something of what these religions teach and believe so that we can accurately discern right from wrong. So we're going to go to Galatians 1 verses 8 to 9. By the way, this sermon is a sermon uh, in the Uncovering Religion series and it's called Mormonism, Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. Verses 1, verses 8 to 9. And Paul said, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. That scripture is is a key to understanding these false religions that are preaching gospel other than what Paul preached, other than what the apostles preached, other than what Jesus preached. Even if an angel should come and say, you've got a new gospel, this is the new gospel. Take this to the earth. Tell, tell the people, don't listen to the angel because he's eternally condemned. That means he's a demon. Mm. Only a demon will tell you that there's another gospel. Mm. That's important when you think of Mormonism. It's important when you think of Jehovah Witnesses, even in part Seventh-day Adventists. Anyone who brings in a works-based salvation that apart from grace, you have to do works to receive salvation. In Seventh Day Adventists. if you don't obey the Sabbath, you're condemned. But it doesn't say that in the Scriptures anymore. In the New Testament does not say that. That's obsolete. It's you are saved not by obedience to any law. You are saved by faith in the Son of God who died and gave him gave himself up for us and by his blood. That's why we're saved. That way, We can't get to heaven and boast about how good we are. They say there will not be one human in heaven boasting about their goodness. And only one is capable of boasting and I'm pretty sure he won't boast. His name is Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Okay, so just uh, keep your Bibles open anyway. So since September of last year, I've been preaching a series of sermons called Uncovering Religion, as you all know. Every two weeks I intend to expose a different cult, religion or philosophy and unveil where it came from, what it is and its teachings. That's the intent of this series. So far we've uncovered Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Baha'i, Sikhism, uh, the book The Secret, so that's a philosophy uh, or it's actually New Age, Seventh Day Adventism, Jehovah Witnesses and today we'll be looking at Mormonism. Joe Schimmel said there is only two religions on this earth. Did you know that? There's just two. There is Christianity, which is God's accomplishment, and everything else, which is human achievement. So there's only one religion on this earth that is according to what God did for us. All other religions is what we are able to do to earn our own salvation. There hasn't been a religion yet that I've looked at that hasn't got a works-based philosophy to receive salvation. So all religions on earth, except true Christianity, preach works—a work salvation, a salvation where you you work your way into heaven, or places of oneness with the universe. From this standpoint, the followers of these religions and cults are never certain of their place in the afterlife. They're never certain. Did you know that before Muhammad died, he wasn't sure of his own salvation? He started to question his own salvation. Because his whole thing that he taught was, you have to be good to get into heaven. So before he died, all the bad that he did is coming through his mind. And he's wondering, I don't know if I'm even going to get into this heaven. Muhammad himself. Even Gandhi, who was a Hindu, questioned his salvation near the end of his life. For if our salvations depend on good deeds, and the Bible tells us that our good works are as filthy rags before a holy God, then anyone who tries to get into heaven by their own good deeds are doomed. There's no place in heaven for someone who has sin in them. You've got to be holy. Now to get in, the, in holiness into a place like heaven, you can only go in his, in the name of Jesus. So Paul made this well clear when I'm talking about in Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. It's only a few books forward from Galatians. Oh, one book forward from Galatians. And we're going to go to chapter 2, verses 3 to 9. And it says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings. So he lived among the meaning, lived among the worldly. Uh, Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, meaning like everyone else on earth, we were by nature's objects of wrath. By our nature's, we are under the wrath of God. That's what he's saying here. We're by nature. Our nature is under wrath. Our nature, actually, you know what? When we go to heaven, guess what? We lose this nature, this sinful nature. It does not come into heaven with us. It gets buried. So, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he's rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. We were dead in sin. But what did he do? He made us alive in Christ. So Christ is our life. It is by grace that you have been saved. Now, we'll keep going a bit further. It says, and God raised us up. God raised us up with Christ. He didn't raise us up by our works or with our works. Our works weigh us down. Especially if you're doing them to receive salvation, those works will just weigh you down. But He raised us up with Christ and He seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, the times that are coming, He might show the incomparable riches of His grace. He has got such amazing riches. Incomparable. Nothing on earth can compare with what He has to give us in heaven. Can't compare. The riches we have here—you can, you imagine what the best life you could imagine here, on earth, with the, in the lap of luxury, the best of everything, the best technology, the best comforts, the best couches, the best pools, the best everything—it does not compare to what Jesus has for us in heaven. It doesn't compare. It's a shadow. You know, think about it. When a shadow. What, why that's a really good analogy is when, when someone's walking into a room, you can see a shadow coming in, you look at the shadow, don't you? But the moment the person walks in, how much more real is the person than the shadow? Mm. That's the comparison we have when we compare what we have here is but a shadow of what we're going to have there. It won't even seem real in comparison. It'll seem like a faint resemblance But shadows, you notice in shadows you can't see features? You can't see a smiling face on a shadow, can you? I don't think there's any shadows in heaven. Oh, in heaven there's not, but here there is. Yeah, Yeah. that's another thing. Shadows will be removed. So, he'll show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I love how he keeps putting in Christ Jesus. You've got to be in him. For it is by grace that you have been saved. That through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Not from yourselves. So if you think you're not good enough for heaven, guess what? You're right. You're not good enough for heaven. If you think you don't deserve heaven, guess what? You don't deserve heaven. We only go to heaven in the name of the one and only Son of God. It's the only way into heaven. We don't deserve it by our own good actions and our good deeds. So... This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. He gives up to He gives the gift to us. Not, get this, this is the key now. Not by works. Why? So that no one can boast. No one can boast. There will not be a soul in heaven that will boast. Isn't that good? It's a very powerful section of scripture. So I've decided to do this series for a very real reason and I'll keep uh, reiterating this each, each time I do it so that you guys really get it clear in your mind. Many Christians are extremely ignorant of the religions and views uh, that we have in this world. There's a lot of religions out there, a lot, more today than ever. Actually, now it's quite common for someone to come up with a new way of thinking and start their own religion, gather a few followers, away they go. Church of Tiger Woods. What? <laughs> yeah, church of Shane Warren, Yeah. That'd be a yeah. <laughs> How to do a she- mean she- spin bowl. <laughs> the oh, no. Yeah, the Church yeah. of Oprah. Look, she's had her own church. One and a half million people You've tuned in for her first yeah. service. Unbelievable. It's the church of Oprah. I've got it on my website in my um, conspiracy, expose conspiracy uh, favourite videos. I have a video in there called The Church of Oprah. So if you want to know all about it, it's on, on there. Actually, check out my website in the um, favorite videos because I've categorized them into uh, different types of videos. And so you can sort of go for whatever sort of interests you. And there's some fascinating stuff on there. It's just over the last year or two, um, I've collated all the best videos I've seen. There's still more. I will keep finding them all the time. Bill the keeps sending me half a dozen a day. Yeah, yeah. So go and check it out. It's very interesting viewing. Many Christians are extremely ignorant of the religions and views of this world. Uh, due to this ignorance, many have been deceived by these religions and lured away from Christ. A lot of Christians will even try to tell you that our God is the same God uh, that the Muslims worship or the Hindus. And did you know this? 57% of evangelical Christians in America, and these are the supposed to be the Bible believing, you know, passionate. Evangelist type faith, or type faith in America, 57% of those evangelical Christians in America don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And do you know Billy Graham actually announced that Jesus isn't? He doesn't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's a video of that. I should put that on my website too. Many very powerful and influential Christians have been deceived by the religions of this world. Many have been deceived by Islam, New Age spiritualism and many other beliefs and philosophies. The problem lies in Christians not having a firm grip on what the Bible teaches. That's what the problem is. And also not enough teaching about what is happening out there. Always just focused on their little world but not broadening their understanding to get a sense of you know, what is, what do they believe out there so we can tell that what we believe is the truth because who wants to believe something that's not true and you know what a lot of those people in those religions are sincere in their belief but as Joe Shimmer would say they're sincerely wrong in their belief but they're sincere you know when you get in a car and drive to a destination but you take the wrong street and you end up in the wrong place, were you insincere or were you sincere? You thought you were going the right way but you ended up in the wrong place right religions like that too, you can be sincerely wrong and the only way to tell is you've got to get out the map. You know, you've got to get out the sources and find out what is happening out there, which is the right road to take. And I suppose that's why Jesus said that it's a narrow path because you've got to, and only if you find it, because you've really got to work hard to stay on a narrow path because it's so easy to oh, there's a broader way. Let's go that way. It looks easier. But if you had a map out, you'd know, no, I can't go that way. I've got to go this way. I've got to keep going the harder way, but it's going to get me to the place I want to go. That one there takes me away from it. So the theology is clear. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. How many of you today find that hard to believe that only Jesus is the way to heaven? Does anyone here sort of find that still troubling? How can it just be Jesus? Yeah. At the beginning. beginning. And this is exactly why I do it. Now, after we've studied Islam, can anyone say that they feel Islam is the right way? After you've studied Baha'i, can you say that's the right way? (laughs) And Jehovah Witnesses, after studying what they believe, you wait to hear what Mormons believe. You'll be wondering, how did 13 million people get sucked into this? The reason is because they don't find this all out at first it's gently, they're indoctrinated into it. And that's the way the Jehovah Witnesses do it as well. And Seventh-day Adventists in Christian science. There is no other name under heaven, despite what the rest of the world teaches. We have to understand that there has only been one man who has laid his life down for the sins of men. And only one man resurrected from the dead and then ascending to heaven and witnessed by 500 disciples at once. Only one man has ever done that in history. Only one man came and fulfilled so many prophetic scriptures that were written in the Bible. And the Bible is the only book on earth which is historically accurate for so many thousands of years, as well as prophetically accurate. It's never been proven wrong, prophetically. If they interpret scripture correctly, it's proved true. You know, even Nostradamus wasn't accurate. Actually, most of the time, the things that they say are accurate. They've had to read into to get an accuracy out of. But Bible, you don't have to read into it. You just have to line it up with history or whatever, and you can find out exactly what they're talking about. And then you'll find it's accurate. Hope that helped you a little bit. Yep. Okay. So Buddha cannot save. Who who reckons Buddha can save? Can Muhammad save? Did Muhammad die? Did he was he raised to life? Did he die on a cross for sins of men? Did he die for sin? What about the Bab <laughs> <laughs> or Baha'iullah of the Baha'i Faith? What about Guru Nanak of Sikhism? And all, all the other gurus in Sikhism? What about William Miller or Ellen White of the Seventh Adventists? You know, William Miller, he, he was a failed prophet. He said, Jesus was going to return, uh, 1843, never showed up. Then he said again, no, no, next year now, and still didn't show up. That's how Seventh-day Adventists were born, out of failed prophecies. A failed prophet began Seventh-day Adventists. What about Charles Taze Russell? Oh, well, answer, uh, uh, because you're onto that, the 21st of May uh, this year, it, uh, which, which faith uh, announced that? I think the 21st of May was... Jesus is coming back. Oh, really? Oh, okay, right. Probably another faith that's going (laughs) to blossom after. Okay. So the Bible tells us that only Jesus saves. And I believe we can all hold confidently to the Bible as the true and authentic, infallible Word of God. And you know how my point is? Until it's proven wrong, I'm going to stick to it. And I'm going to stay with that. And I'm not going to doubt what the Bible says because my doubts in me are fallible. And until the Bible is proved fallible, let's just say, well, I think it's got more authority than me, so I better claim what it says is true until it's proven wrong. But I'm not going to let my doubts say, oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Just stick with it. And keep studying it. And I guarantee you, 20, 30 years from now, you will still be blown away by this book. You will still be moved powerfully by this book. Because the more I study it, the more convinced I get. The more it lines up. You've discovered it, haven't you, Matt? Johnny, you've discovered it, haven't you? The more you're studying it. And I do intend to do a sermon soon on the infallibility and inerrancy of the Holy Scriptures. You've more than likely discovered, as I've have revealed for the, from the belief systems of this world, religions and cults, that we have an awesome and an extremely sound faith. Who's discovered that? In studying these religions, comparative to Christianity, you will find that Christianity holds up powerfully every time. Joe Schimmel said, "When you show you a diamond in a jewelry store, when they show you a diamond in a jewelry store, they will put it uh, against a black background." Uh, do you do that, Bill? No, I They do do it. They put a black background Uh, so that you can see it in all its beauty. That's the reason they put a nice black background. Ah, Have a look at that diamond. Now you can see it now. So when you see Christ, when you see Christ against the black background of world religions and belief systems, then you'll appreciate his glory even more. And that's why I'm doing this. I want you to appreciate his glory so much by saying, Oh, I'm seeing the, the blackness of what. What he's before, what he said against, and Christianity holds up so powerfully. Pure devotion to Christ, in an effort to keep you all and those of you listening via the internet upon the path of pure devotion to Christ. I will continue to uncover the the religions and philosophies philosophies of this world. Mark thirteen five to six says, Jesus said, "Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am He." Matthew twenty four ten to eleven says at that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Uh, 2 John 7 or 8 says many deceivers who do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for but that you may be rewarded fully. So you will discover that most of the world religions and cults will not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Just about all of them don't. There are a few that do, but most of them don't acknowledge that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh. And these religions, that Scripture tells us, are antichrist religions. So we are dealing with antichrists. Muslims are antichrist. Jehovah Witnesses are antichrist. Mormons are antichrist. And I won't read any more of those scriptures, or else I'll be here until midday on this one thing. Okay, so the 19th century saw the emergence of four of the biggest and most influential cults in the world. Did you know that the 19th century, during the 1800s, William Miller, founder of the Seventh Day Adventist movement, was born on February 15, 1782. But the SDA's formed in 1863. Uh, but he he. He came up with the whole thing, and he, they became what they called Millerites. But then Ellen White came along and established it formally as the Seventh Day Adventists. Uh, she didn't name them that, but back in 1863, Charles Taze Russell founded the Jehovah Witnesses, and he founded it in the later or latter part of the 18th century. Uh, Joseph Smith of the Mormons formed the Mormons in uh, late 1820s. And Christian scientist Mary Baker, Eddie, yeah, Mary Baker, uh, she founded it in 1866. So during the 1800s, four of the biggest cults today were formed. That's amazing, isn't it? So all four of these cults came out of a rebellion against traditional and fundamental Bible-believing Christianity. They were rebellious to what they heard. In conventional churches, so the chaotic theology and doctrine of these cults are a somber study of rebellion. So when we study Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists and Mormons, uh, Christian Scientists, we're we're doing a study in rebellion, and we're also seeing the subtle changes that they make to drift them away from Scripture and away from believing in Jesus as the only way to heaven. But I'm going to show you a video now, and this is uh, Bill gave me the idea. He said you should show some videos because videos and Visual images put, you know, a picture can say a thousand words as they say. So I'm going to show you a video quickly. Please watch attached video. You know, I noticed that you were laughing at quite a few of the statements. Why Why? why was it so funny? Because uh, he got married to, what, three, four yeah. ladies? And,
1: uh, it's just ridiculous. Called? It's... Uh,
0: Jesus was brothers was... with uh, uh, Satan, were they? Yeah, they were brothers, yeah. Because it's laughable, isn't it? It's laughable. laughable. But you know what? When it's put together in a little cartoon, it's funny. But the problem is, is they believe it. And this is the scary thing. And 13 million people chase after this stuff. And I'll tell you why as well. So the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the official name of the Mormon organisation. Mormons have their own scriptures and regard them as primary sources for authority in doctrine and practice. They have their own scriptures. Uh, These scriptures are known as standard works and they include the Book of Mormon, uh, Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price. But they also include a King James Version of the Bible in that as well. Obviously don't read it as much, they just refer to it. So the church claims to have a continuing succession of true and living prophets who receive new revelations from God. So a prophet will come along and he'll have a new revelation and that will adjust the course of the Mormon church. The Mormons are one of the fastest growing religions in history. Uh, in 2007 the church reported 53,000 full-time missionaries. That's a lot of people out there turning people to Mormonism. That's why they have such fast they're so quickly growing and almost 13 million members in over 170 countries, uh, countries and territories. So it's 13 million. When you compare that to Islam, you know, 1.6 billion or whatever it is, it's. I don't know if it's necessarily the fastest growing. Uh, It's probably from zero to then. It's probably the fastest growing because I think uh, uh, Islam is now 1,400 years old, isn't it? 600 AD, I think they're from. They They do because they amended the Book of Mormon, but they can't become. They can't become gods. Mm. So, uh, yeah, no, you'll you'll find out about their salvation uh, idea. So, the history is, the Mormons were founded in late 1820 in America by their seer and prophet and revelator, Joseph Smith. Ten years before the church began, Joseph Smith received his first vision at the age of 14. In the vision, God, the Father and Jesus Christ both appeared to him in a sacred grove of trees near his home in Palmyra, New York. According to the official account, Joseph wanted to know which church to join. He was a religious man. He wanted to know where to go. And if he had only just joined a church, he would have been in a far better state. The world would be in a better state. But Christ warned him to join none of the churches because they were all wrong and their creeds were an abomination in God's sight. So if this came as an actual vision, you've got to question who was giving him the vision. Because the Bible even says Satan will appear as an angel of light. He'll appear as light and tell you he's God. Because remember, he wants to be God, doesn't he? The whole rebellion was because he wanted to be greater than God. So he will tell you he's God. He even tried to get Jesus to bow down before him as his God. Tried to make Jesus consider him his God. So those that professed these religions were all corrupt. Anyone who believes as we do are corrupt. He learnt that right after the death of the original 12 apostles in the first century, there had been a a total apostasy, meaning just a total falling away from the truth. There had been no true Christianity on earth for 1,700 years. Obviously, he believed whatever he was revealed to him, and he did no research to find out the truth in relation to that. So in response, Joseph did not join any of these apostate churches and believed that he himself must restore true Christianity to the earth. So the Book of Mormon, it sounds a little bit like Muhammad, doesn't it? Remember the Muhammad in Islam? He believed that uh, that Christianity was all wrong and he has to do it right and he's going to come and he's going to reveal the way to do it. So the Book of Mormon. In 1830, Joseph Smith published a new scripture called the Book of Mormon. Now remember the early scripture, if anyone comes and claims a new gospel... Other than what we've preached to you, let them be eternally condemned, even if an angel does. So he allegedly translated the book from sacred golden plates or tablets. Apparently an angel named Moroni appeared to, uh, in Smith's bedroom in 1823. <laughs> Before being an angel, Moroni was a prophet of God in North America. So now humans turn into angels. That's not biblical. So according to the Book of Mormon in 600 BC, a Jew named Lehi, and his family fled Jerusalem and landed somewhere in Central America. So they, this Jew came from Jerusalem, he fled, he landed somewhere in Central America. These Jews became two great nations, a white-skinned Nephites and the Indian Lamanites, which we saw the little battle that went on on the screen there. Moroni was the last living Nephite as the Lamanites killed the rest of the Nephites in 421 AD. The angel Moroni revealed to Joseph Smith the location of the golden plates which were said to be written in reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics. And Smith, Joseph Smith used a, what, a personal Rosetta stone called the Urim or the Thummim, which he translated the hieroglyphics. Of course, his translation of the book has been debunked by Egyptian scholars uh, who have said that not one word was translated correctly. Anyway... But you, you say that to a Mormon and they'll go, oh, no, that's not true. It was translated correctly. Anyway, Mormons hold the Book of Mormon as scripture, yet the book has been amended and altered in 4,000 places since 1830. Galatians 1.8 says, But even if we are an angel from heaven, as I said before, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. So the Mormons, what the Mormons teach is the most unbelievable set of doctrines and beliefs... It's the most unbelievable set of doctrines and beliefs you'll hear, even, even in exceeding the crazy stuff that Jehovah's Witnesses believe. The only way I can explain it is that they indoctrinate them step by step. They add a little bit, a little bit, a little bit until they've just completely gotten baffled and they're just brainwashed. It's the only way you could get this 13 million people to believe this stuff is the very sophisticated indoctrining techniques indoctrination techniques they teach a carefully crafted course of study which piece by piece deceives the follower there are so many lies and deceptions in the mormon religion that i'll only be able to scratch the surface and so please i just encourage you guys just to do a little bit of research i will send you an email with something on mormonism which matthew sent through to me a while back Um, but do a little bit of research because it's it's just blows you away what people can get sucked into One of the things is that we are gods. To get a sense of what Mormons believe, I'm going to quote something that Joseph Smith himself said back in uh, a famous sermon he delivered in Nauvoo in 1844. I think that's in America somewhere. So God himself, this is what he said, God himself, actually just imagine this for a second. If I was to stand here and say what I'm about to say now, would you guys get up and leave if I was serious? I'm going to say it. God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. I'm going to tell you how God came to be God. We have imagined and supposed that God was God from all eternity. Yep. Not imagined. We know that to be a fact because the Bible tells us. I will refute that idea. Who does? Joseph Smith refutes that idea and takes away the, and take away the veil so that you may see. He was once a man like us. Yes, that God himself, the father of us all, dwelt on earth the same as Jesus Christ himself did. But here then is eternal life. You have got to learn how to be gods. Yourselves, you must learn how to be gods, the same as all gods have done before you. The same as all gods have done before you. Amen. Yeah. Walk out on me, please. If I start preaching that stuff, get some tomatoes, maybe I'll come to my senses. <laughs> Give me a good one right in between the eyes. <laughs> okay, so isn't that, isn't that bizarre? No, it's just bizarre. But you know what? People love that stuff. They love to be told that they're gods. You know, that's, that's pretty well what the book The Secret will say. Yeah. So Lorenzo Snow, a Mormon prophet, created a couplet uh, from this. He says, as man is god once was as god is man may become sounds clever doesn't it but it's it's it's, it's blasphemy pure outright blasphemy that a man can become a god no we are created man uh, sorry god is uncreated he is exists from all eternity The problem with the Mormon's teaching is that all these gods that keep getting born from other gods, there's no one God that created everything. So those gods must have an ultimate being that exists for all eternity to create them in the first place. Yeah, but the whole problem what they've got wrong is is that God that existed in all eternity to create everything is Elohim. Elohim is not created. He's not the son. The father is not the son of anyone. Okay, so as gods, they will populate their world. This is what uh, Mormons believe. As gods, they will populate their world with their own spirit offspring. This would have to be the greatest of all Mormon doctrinal follies. Joseph Smith made such a diabolical theological error and in so doing fell by the same way that Satan fell. Satan, Satan wanted to be God and he fell from heaven. He then deceived Eve by telling Eve that she can be like God. This really is the deception of New Age cults today everywhere so that you can actually become a god. In Hollywood and among rock stars and all those who idol worship uh, the modern culture, this lie of becoming a god is very attractive to them, isn't it? A lot of them believe they're gods. You know um, those, those videos that we've seen, they sold their souls for rock and roll. They seriously believe because they've got so many people adoring them that they are gods. Even, um, you know what uh, John Travolta and Tom Cruise are into? Scientology, same thing. The Church of Satan also is rife with this self God teaching that they will all become gods. Polygamy. In 1843, Smith had received a revelation, very convenient one, authorizing him to engage in plural marriages. Imagine that. Eventually that revelation became Mormon scripture. A polygamy means that you can have many wives, like a harem of wives. So eventually that revelation became Mormon scripture as section 132 of Doctrine and Covenants. So he added that one little one in there. Yeah. Historical records show that Smith was sexually involved with women other than his legal wife, Emma, long before this revelation was written. Uh-huh. Funny that, isn't it? He's he having his little flings and then... Just better about getting something. caught, better yeah, better have a revelation. Yeah, New scripture, many wives. And, cheeks, and it wasn't long before he regretted ever coming up with it. Yeah. Brigham Young, one of Smith's 12 apostles, became the leader of the Mormons after Joseph Smith was killed in relation to polygamy. Not because of standing strong for the faith. He wasn't a martyr. Young led the Mormons in a massive migration to Salt Lake City in Utah. Uh, Young himself had 27 wives. Oh, pain. However, in 1890, in the midst of extreme political pressure, political and legal pressure from the US government, the fourth Mormon prophet, Wilford Woodruff, Wilford Woodruff received a new revelation saying that the practice of polygamy was to cease... All right, so a new revelation comes in. We better stop this because we're going to get kicked out of America or going to get killed by the public. So they suddenly, but I don't know whether they'd divorce all their wives down to one or not, but yeah. Mormonism outlines a divinely ordained, detailed plan of salvation centred on works. The ultimate goal of Mormonism is to become a god. The religion of Mormonism is man-centric and not like Christianity, which is god-centric. The doctrine of, the, of godhood makes the Latter-day Saints church look very non-Christian because we're not... I don't preach that we can become gods, do I? You know, a true Christian church won't teach that. So that's why Mormonism really isn't a Christian cult. It uses the name of Jesus, but Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. <laughs> anyway, and there's, there's so much to that too. You know, um, when Lucifer came into the garden and tempted Eve, they they hold Lucifer up for that in hype because he they became like God because Lucifer's deception was you can become like God's and so it's because of Satan that they have the possibility of becoming a God so therefore Satan is glorified how twisted and warped is that they don't actually add oh it's a lie you can't actually become a God, Satan said a lie no they just take it as a literal That's he, he said it so it must be true no, it's a lie, you can't become a God Satan deceived you so they don't believe you No, they don't read the rest of the scriptures which talk about Satan as the, you know, he is a liar from the beginning. So they just deny all that. And they think when Jesus and Lucifer are at each other that, oh, they're just brothers and they're just having a fight. (laughs) You know, stop calling me a liar. (laughs) (laughs) While the goal of Godhood is clearly stated in Mormon literature, it is not part of the Mormon church's advertisement or missionary discussions. Did you know that? They don't advertise that to get new converts because a lot of the people that become mormons are probably christian but not strong christians but just sort of baby christians you can be a baby christian and being a christian your whole life and still a baby christian still drinking the milk of the gospel not the meat so eternal life is not a free gift in mormonism eternal life must be earned by becoming perfect and fulfilling other requirements. Mormonism has taken the command, be ye perfect, and turned it into, become ye perfect. So if you be perfect, you try to do good. But to become perfect, is to become like Jesus, God. You don't become perfect, you try to live as close, in holiness. So as you can understand, the doctrine of perfection, creates a lot of stress, amongst Mormons. Just as, Um, Islam and and, uh, the stress that is on those because they'd never know if their salvation is sure. Imagine going through your whole life not knowing that your salvation is sure in heaven. Knowing that you're going to be weighed according to what you have done. And if you are found wanting, you're going to go to hell. That's a horrible way to live your religious life. But to know with certainty that you're saved, there's no better way of living out a Christian life. And then in response to that, living with all your heart. Not, not out of, you know, I better live perfectly because I'm going to go to hell. No. You know you're not going to go to hell, but now I'm going to live for Christ because I want others to come with me. Mormonism teaches that there are millions of gods, each with their own world and universe. Did you know that? Elohim and Jesus are our gods here. Mm. But the next planet along has got another god and another saviour and another one has got another god and another saviour and so on all over the universe and i'm sure at times you might have thought that could be the case yourself i know it's crossed my mind but then i kick it out because i know it's not scriptural mormons base their claim to believe in only one god by saying they only put their faith in the god of this world but the bible says that the god of this world is satan 1 john 5 19 So the Latter Day Saints Church attracts people with its doctrine of eternal families. So that when we are gods, as God is holy and righteous, Mormons will populate the universe with spirit children. You saw that in the video. How'd you like that as a job? To populate for the man would be alright. Wouldn't be good for the woman. Imagine God coming up to you saying, "Well, you've got about a thousand more babies to go."
1: yeah, that's why,
0: you know, you, you mass produce. They reject the biblical teaching that the purpose of God's law is to show us our sin and turn us and convert us to rely solely on what Jesus did for us on the cross. They reject that. They had nothing to do with Jesus. The, the LDS gospel called the restored gospel, LDS meaning Latter-day Saints, or a law of eternal progression teaches that the purpose of human life is to progress, progress to full salvation. This state is called celestial exaltation. And to achieve it, it, humans must be obedient to the laws and ordinances of the gospel, but the gospel according to Joseph Smith. Mormons teach that after death, everyone goes to one of two places, paradise or spirit prison. Faithful Mormons go to paradise and non-Mormons go to spiritual prison. It sounds a little bit like the Catholic concept of purgatory that there's a spiritual prison that you've got to go and spend some time down there. According to uh, LDS, everyone will be released from the spirit prison and will progress to one of three heavens. The lowest heaven is called Telestial uh, Kingdom, where um, it's more beautiful than earth, and it's for where the wicked are, such as murderers and criminals go there. But it's still a nice place. Uh, the middle heaven, the t- terrestrial, Kingdom is the abode of religious and moral people who never became Mormons. That's where we again up. We are in up in the terrestrial, and then the highest heaven is the celestial kingdom. It's reserved for reserved for latter-day saints who were fully obedient and worthy. hmm Only they are up there. The problem I see with religions like this is they draw their conclusions from so-called revelations and ideals that they imagine. They imagine it up, they declare it as a revelation or a prophecy in away way they go, but they can't back it up from the Word of God, so they conclude that that part of the Bible is is corrupted you know that part of the Bible isn't what what the true translation says, but then they don't go and get what the true translation says and match that up do they so listen to that and that's what the Islam do as well. the Muslims do that. So let's listen to how God rebukes those who follow their own imaginations. In Ezekiel 13, 2 to 3, it says, Say to those who prophesy out of their imaginations, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the foolish or the wicked prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. He comes against those. God comes and says, you wicked people who prophesy and say, this is the word of the Lord, but it's, just your imagination. I say a 65 2 to 3 says all day long i have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good pursuing their own imaginations a people who continually provoke me to my very face offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense of on altars of brick etc so these people that Conduct ceremony, religious ceremonies, do religious things. They say a Mormon ceremony, the secret ceremonies of Mormonism is very much like Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. The reason is, is because Joseph Smith was a Freemason. So he conducts his services in a very similar way. This is the ones where they have a Mormon temples that only the elite Mormons can go into. Mm. A normal Mormon won't be allowed in. So in closing, Acts 4, 12. Ooh, one minute. Acts 4.12 says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The Bible tells us clearly that the only way of salvation is in the name of Christ. Is that right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 8. Let me just quickly read that. Where's my Bible gone? Okay, it says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. By this gospel, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, if I like when the Bible says, "If, if you hold firmly to the word that I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain." For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance: that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. What he means is he persecuted the church of Christ. He was abnormal, but he came to the faith. So that's, that's a statement of faith made by Paul and it encapsulates the truth of the basis of our Christian faith. That's the basis. And it establishes it as the basis of what we must believe to be Christian and receive salvation. If you have any doubts that Christ died for your sins and that by faith in him and, and not anything that we have done, that we are saved. If you have any doubts in that, just talk to me later. I want to just set your mind at ease. That you are saved And it's not because of what you did. It's because of what he he did. It's very simple, really, if you think about it. It's not a complex faith. We are saved because of Christ. That's it. After that, everything we do, do, we do to build treasures in heaven. That's how we should see it. We must understand that we are by nature's objects of wrath because of our sinful nature. But because of his great love for us, he gave up his life on a cross so that we may live. So, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. That's John 3.36. John 5.24 says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you've crossed from death to life. You are now living uh, and the last scripture is uh, Romans ten thirteen. It says, "Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." That is the promises of Scripture. That if we call on Him with all our heart, we will be saved. Isn't that good? What a promise! What a beautiful faith we have. Simple, cut and dry. It's all about Him, not about us. So we can get our mind off being perfect. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be sinless. But there are sins that lead to death, but there are sins that don't lead to death. You know, what I count as sins is not praying when I should, you know. I repent over those things. But for me to go and commit murder, not in defense, but just pure murder, would be a a deliberate sin. And I would be condemned for that. You know, because I would know I should not do this, but i go and do it out of a sick sense in my heart. And that means that I've turned away from Christ. Because only you could only do that if you turned away from Christ. Is that true? Anyway, I'll just quickly brief you on next week because uh, in the Truth, Judgment and Eternity series, which we will be uh, doing next week, or we do it every second week, bi-weekly, I'll be starting a series within a series. No. Just to confuse everything. It fits right in with the theme of Truth, Judgment and Eternity uh, and it also connects with the Uncovering Religion series as well. We'll be going verse by verse through the book of Colossians, so it should be a really awesome uh, series. By the hopefully, my intention is by the end of the series of sermons on Colossians, you're going to really understand what that book's all about. You'll have a real deep under deeper understanding. Uh, Colossians is probably one of the most profound of all Paul's letters. Scholars say that it was probably the greatest of all Paul's letters. So I thought let's start with the greatest of all Paul's letters. The book of Colossians was written in response to heresy and deception which had gripped the church of Colossae. Uh, You'll find that this book of the Bible is so relevant to this postmodern age in which we live. It's going to astound you. It's like it was written for this time. Uh, And also in two weeks' time in this series, Uncovering Religion, I'm going to be doing a sermon on a deceptive and soul-damning religious secret society called... Freemasonry, (laughs) you're going to discover how Freemasonry is behind all forms of big business and every level of government, but we also just, I think might end up having to do two sermons on it, it's huge, it's a a tangled web, uh, Freemasonry, it's um, such a uh, complex thing that they go and get entangled in, and with every degree that you go up, it gets worse, I'm, I'll probably be doing the first three degrees, uh, starting with just explaining what that is all about. And uh, but we'll go through with the implications that you know, uh, if you want to go anywhere in life, like in, as in, if you want to own a chain of successful stores or something, you just about have to be a Freemason. Or if you want to ascend to the office of presidency or prime minister or something, you must get into Freemasonry somehow. Okay, so let's just let's pray just to close. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, I just hope that this uh, sermon just helped us to understand a bit more about uh, the wonders of our salvation as well as the, um, just the tangled mess that religions around this world choose to get themselves into. They just, just, they just seem to think that it requires secret knowledge to get into heaven, uh, it, what they need to do to get into heaven, and, and, and they get caught up in, in a works salvation, Lord, which gives them no peace. But Lord, in you we have peace. In you we can rest, knowing with certain that we are saved. And Lord, all we have to do is hold to the faith and not turn. And hold, and that's what all you call for, is do not become an apostate people, but a people that hold strongly and firmly to the faith as it is in the Gospels. So Lord, we just pray for the Mormon people. Lord, there's 13 million of them as of 2007. And we pray that you will bring light to that religious uh, cult, that you will open their eyes and, Lord, that those Mormons will start reading their King James Bibles, that they'll start opening them up and reading them and discovering by the Holy Spirit, because all Scripture must be discerned by the Holy Spirit. I pray the Holy Spirit will come upon them, open their eyes so that as they read their Bibles and turn away from the Book of Mormon, and read their Bibles, Lord, that you will reveal the truth of salvation. And it's not by all the stressing and struggling and, thing, and the works that they have to go through, Lord. We pray this in your wonderful name. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us all this week. Give us a powerful uh, week with you, Lord, in our devotional time, our prayer time, our, um, uh, just our Christian life, living for you, walking in you, and, and conducting ourselves as Christians. Uh, to one another, treating one another with patience and love and kindness. Lord, I pray that you just move in us and, and do this wonderful thing in us this week and be with us powerfully, protect us, cover us with your precious blood, put your angels around us in the name of Jesus. Amen.